If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A happy hump day to all of you. Wherever you are. Happy hump day. (laughs) Eric France and Ajay Salison, 401, your kickoff time here on October 2nd, we are, that's right, we are in October already, 401, your start time. In a in-the-know Wednesday as we get you ready for the LSU Tigers, and oh boy, uh, just watching film, uh, your jaw drops, your eyes open wide, and you just, you at times just shake your head watching this football team. Eric, there's a reason why they are the fifth-ranked team in the country. They're good. They're good at that football sport. <laughs> they, you know, you they had, know how to throw that football around and score touchdowns. Uh, you had a chance to watch a, a good amount of film in, in these days coming to uh, today. Uh, I have as well. I, I watched uh, the Vanderbilt and Texas games, and my, oh, my, they are something else. And, and look, we don't sit here and praise teams just, I mean, for political speaking. It's because we actually think they're good. If we think a team sucks, we're going to say that. This isn't high school football. Mom and dads can't get mad at us. Uh, But in this regard, this team is just really, really solid in every single phase. In just a couple minutes, we're going to have Brooks Kubina of The Advocate join us here on the Full Court Press. He's LSU LSU Tigers beat writer. He'll give us more of a deeper look into this LSU team and uh, what makes them go. And if there are holes in this team, where are they? That's that, that's a big question right there. Aggies, Tigers, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, Saturday morning. Don't forget, your game day is on KVNU. Al Lewis, Craig Kislip, Eric Franson, breaking it down better than anybody else. 8 a.m., bright and early. Make sure you get your hot chocolate and donuts. And, uh, and Don't uh, worry, we'll be out in time for conference. I, I about said no one cares, but <laughs> I'm a lot of, we're in Cash Valley. A lot of people care. I will be watching the LSU game. Uh, I'm sure whatever I need to hear, I'll find it on Twitter. That's how, that's how it is. That's how I, that's how I watch my general conference. Record Twitter. it, DVR it, play it back later. It's fine. I don't have time. I've got four. I've got do that. I've got some other big games I got to watch. I, I, I'm sure whatever messages I need to get, they'll get to me one way or another. That's how the big man upstairs works. Uh, Eric, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, is that you know, why you had that appointment last <laughs> night? <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I go in, no one's there. I call, uh, you know, I call someone on my, like, hey, I'm supposed to be here. No, that's next Tuesday. <laughs> what? <laughs> I you got the wrong day. <laughs> Not my week, Eric. Uh... Not my week. Eric, you know, it's in the know here of the LSU Tigers. Don't worry. And by the way, don't forget movie quiz. Eric Franson will give us our movie quiz. It's his turn uh, just at the end of the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, and 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk some MLB baseball. Wild wild card Holy game last cow. night between the Brewers and the Nationals. If that's a precursor to what the 2019 Major League Baseball playoffs are going to look like, bring it on. That was awesome. Uh, that was great. It was a very dramatic uh, finish and uh, come from behind, seal of victory. That was that was kind of cool. So we'll see what happens tonight in the American League with the wild card game going on between the Rays and the Athletics. That's at uh, 6 o'clock tonight on ESPN. Um, but in the no Wednesday, we're going to hear from this beat writer. We're going to hear from 
Coach Ordron. We're going to hear from Coach Anderson. We're going to hear from some of the Aggie players, getting you as much in the know as possible and aware of the opponents and what's on the line, what's at stake, uh, what the matchups, what the injuries also might look like as well. Because there's that may be one of the big things with these LSU Tigers. They had a, a bye week, get themselves a little bit more healthy. But I think that could be one of the storylines coming into this game uh, this week. And there's also news today about one of their players who has decided he's leaving the program. So we'll, we'll get into all of that today. And he's got a very recognizable name, uh, but uh, I don't know that he's had a necessarily a very recognizable season. So anyway, we'll get into uh, that as, as well as we continue to get you in the know for Utah State at LSU Saturday. So let's get it started off the right way. Joining us now here on the Full Court Press from the Advocate, he's the LSU Beat Tigers writer. It is Brooks Kubina. And Brooks, thanks for joining us here today. We greatly appreciate it, my man. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Brooks, let's start here. This LSU team, I mean, they drop one spot in the national poll just because they had a bye. Uh, and so, I mean, they're a top five team in the country. They play like a top five team in the country. What's one thing about this team in, in any facet you want to pick, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, that has stood out to you the most so far in the first four games? Well, clearly it's the offense. It's something that you know we've been keeping track of ever since – Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, was hired in January to install run-pass option and spread schemes from his time, both at Penn State as a graduate assistant and an offense assistant under Sean Payton with the New Orleans Saints. It's been talked about ever since they implemented in the spring, and uh, he talked it up in the summer saying, get your popcorn ready to the viewers, and my goodness, I mean, they are leading the nation in scoring uh, per game, and that's something in Baton Rouge that people who are watching the Tigers for a long time never would have thought would happen uh, with the, with this Tigers football team that has been such so committed to the to the run game and um, to controlling the clock, and, and that dates back from the Ed Ogeron to even the Les Miles years. And, I mean, this is the first time, uh, one of only two times in, uh, in, in LSU's history that the team is averaging uh, more pass plays per game than run plays. So that that is the thing that sticks out the most about this team and the fact that it's very efficient. Um, very fast. They average uh, two minutes and uh, four seconds per touchdown drive, and uh, the only the only team that seems to be faster than them right now is Utah State. <laughs> uh, they have a history of of well, some experience in doing that over the last season and a half. Uh, but the game that really stands out to me so far in the early season for the Tigers was that game against Texas. That was a big statement game, an opportunity to prove that you know one of those teams, whoever went won that game was legitimately going to be in the conversation as a college football playoff team if everything plays out. LSU gets on it takes care of business there. It was a close one. but uh, after that game, what was the sense around that campus and around that, that town about what this team is really going to be like this year? You know, that was an interesting game for sure because of uh, it was a big test of that offense we've known. Uh, it was interesting. I went there the week uh, leading up to that game, and Texas defenders were saying that LSU's offense reminded them of a Big 12 offense, which to LSU fans would have been that blasphemous a couple of the past couple of years. Uh, but <laughs> that, the, the, the fact that LSU went out and, I mean, the defense played um, its its own way. We'll get to that in a second. But basically, Joe Burrow beat Sam Ellinger at his own game. Like, that offense was able to outplay a very efficient Big 12 offense and win. And in their place, a top-10 matchup, and Texas still very respected across the, the country, still within range of, 
that top ten, and if they do business the rest of the season with against Oklahoma and others, it could be possible that they still are in the college football playoff uh, conversation. But I mean, what that proved also is that LSU's offense had arrived. That Joe Burrow was a Heisman uh, contending quarterback, and this is a team that could compete for a championship. Now, the, the defensive thing definitely stepped out. Uh, Sam Ellinger got his yards, got his touchdown, and made throws that made people very concerned about the LSU secondary so because uh, throughout that week they were playing up the DBU talk and it didn't look like anybody out of that game really could have uh, held on to that title from that but what's interesting is that this pass rush for LSU has been in the works throughout the past four games and in that Texas game their big uh, game plan was actually uh, pressure Sam Ellinger contain him more with what was called a you know a cage rush where defenders aren't necessarily trying to sack the quarterback they're trying to collapse the pocket on top of the quarterback and trap him inside. It's kind of an old Bill Belichick, uh, even a Nick Saban type of style. You don't need to uh, sack the quarterback to get pressure. But, you know, that didn't get the sacks. The sacks numbers are down, but they're also noticing from Northwestern State to even Vanderbilt last week that teams are starting to three-step drop more often on offense. And that basically negates uh, a defense's pass rush because they're not going to get to the quarterback in three steps. And if they can complete those passes against the secondary, uh, that, that's kind of bad news. Um, so LSU's secondary has, has been forced to kind of go man and press and go against these wide receivers and stop those slants. And LSU's been trying to have to be tricky about how their, how their defense plays against offenses that are limiting their pass rush right now. Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about the defense. Kurt, certainly the defensive coordinator, was formerly at Utah State. Interestingly enough, in that Texas-LSU game, there were two former defensive coordinators from Utah State going after each other. But Dave Aranda, uh, the, the type of job that he's doing there, uh, certainly it looks like teams can move the ball a little bit against the Tigers, but to some degree they're not always having success scoring scoring touchdowns, at least not at the rate at LSU. But what what's the sense from Dave Aranda and, and kind of the, maybe his attitude approaching this game where he was on the Logan campus for a little while? It's hard to get a personal sense of way, where Dave Aranda's uh, uh, thought process is at because uh, you know, we, don't, we don't get a chance to talk to Dave Aranda um, at, at LSU uh, coordinators across the SEC. Actually, most of them have policies of not talking to the media. Uh, but just talking to Ed Ogeron about their process last week, uh, they, it was a bye week. They had a chance to reevaluate what they were doing on defense. Um, you know, their biggest concern is tackling right now. Um, it's something that came up even during the preseason. Uh, I asked Ed Ogeron about what his major things that he was trying to uh, work on, and it was tackling. Um, and it remains to be a problem uh, against Vanderbilt. I believe it was it was it was twelve to um, I think it was fourteen tackles for one hundred and forty eight yards that they that uh, they weren't able to make uh, fourteen broken tackles. So, you know, that's that's kind of the things that they've been focusing on. And Vanderbilt was able to get a couple of big runs on uh, on their defense because a lot of, uh, I mean, a couple of players were out of position. So, I mean, some of that has to do with the injuries on LSU's defense. And I think that's a big thing to point out. Uh, they lost their safety, free safety, Todd Harris, to a knee injury, for uh, apparent knee injury, I should say, throughout for the rest of the season. And deep, their starting defensive ends are both out and may not play this Saturday. And they're linebacker who was their star pass rusher last year and kind of been playing inside and outside this year, Michael Divinity, is also out this week. So, you know, that's been an issue for them. So they've been having to go to their depth, and a lot of the guys haven't been able to step up and make tackles, be in the right place at the right time. So it's really just about refinement 
for Dave Rand and his defense while trying to make the adjustments that we talked about in the previous question. So it's a pretty difficult task. Brooks Cubino of the Advocate joins us here on the Full Court Press talking about the LSU Tigers on an in-the-know Wednesday. Uh, Brooks, you, you talked about this offense. These receivers are absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you're, you, you've got this uh, Jamar Chase on one end. You've got... Terrence Marshall, who I think a lot, it feels like a lot of LSU fans and, and maybe you guys were just waiting for this guy to finally, you know, come alive and, and come along and, and almost seem that that Texas game is where it really started for him. And he has been, uh, this receiving core is about as good as it's been in a while for probably for you LSU uh, Tigers. So that was the biggest thing about this offensive spread attack is that LSU has had talented wide receivers for many many years, you know, dating even before they had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the same team. And they've been committing to the run in all those past years. And this, this was the first time that you've really seen what could happen whenever they use their talent to their best abilities. I mean, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Justin Jefferson, who you might know as the younger brother of uh, Jordan Jefferson, the former quarterback at LSU mm. in 2011, uh, they all have had a hundred yard games and it's, it's been quite impressive to watch them play this way. And Terrace Marshall, you mentioned him. So in high school, he suffered a pretty big leg injury and his senior year. And once he got to LSU, he was still recovering from that last year. and just didn't have that breakaway speed in his full capacity because he was still recovering from it. And he came into this year with, with a hundred percent recovery. And he was real excited about getting back there. And you saw his ability. He was just a big, deep play guy. And it was a big loss when they lost him against Vanderbilt. Um, you know, he he's uh, you know, he, it, it's, it's a, a foot fracture, and it could keep him out until maybe even Alabama. Uh, so, but his loss, you don't know how much of a of a deal it is yet because they one they haven't played, but also everybody else has been succeeding so well. Jamar Chase has been a deep hit and a good catcher, and he's probably one of the best wide receivers in the country right now. And Justin Jefferson, they moved from outside to inside, and that's really something you're starting to see a trend across uh, college football too. Your, your best wide receiver sometimes is playing out of that slot. They, they, they've stuck him there and he's been uh, someone who's opened it up for others on the outside. So, uh, I mean, the biggest thing that we can talk about here is, is, is that talent is finally being used to the best of its ability within a system that works at LSU. Now, I want to follow up with Justin Jefferson. It looked like he did have a bit of an ankle injury, is he expected to play on Saturday with the bye week enough time for him to heal and recover? Yes, he's expected to play. He's been practicing. He was practicing today. We actually just got out of there right now. He's practiced all week. Uh, it looks like he's I, – I would be surprised if he does not play on Saturday. Uh, on the defensive end, these defensive backs are physical. It's almost if even if a receiver does catch a ball, they hit the joystick and just, I mean, crush a receiver from anywhere – Am I right in saying that, that this is about as physical as a defensive back maybe in the country? You know, I think it's, I think it's physical. Um, I think these, um, I, I think you also go back to the things we were talking about earlier with uh, some problems with tackling. Um, I think in the open field, there's, there's some uh, things that could be improved. Um, you know, the All-American safety from last year, Grant Delpit, um, got matched up one-on-one with Keyshawn Vaughn from, uh, Vanderbilt, the running back who I think is kind of underrated across the country right now, and most of the time Vaughn won that matchup. So, yeah, I, I think this—I think this is a very talented secondary that hasn't really played up to its 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 bill right now, and I think they—I think they'd admit that as well. Uh, but the talent is certainly there. Derek Stingley, the uh, true freshman cornerback, has been playing 
very well throughout this season. He's been targeted uh, very few times, and each time he is, he's he's made he's made his plays. And on on Vanderbilt, he got his first career interception. I think he's been out of if we're going to talk about uh, all the players in the secondary right now, he's been the most impressive out of them all. And uh, to talk about him a little bit, he was uh, considered by some sites the number one overall cornerback uh, in recruiting last year, and he's a Baton Rouge guy, grew up here in Louisiana, and he's he's thought to be the, the the person who has practiced the earliest ever at LSU football. Uh, he actually graduated early, as most player as several players do now. But he showed up for the Fiesta Bowl practice last year, was able to practice with the team while they were here in Baton Rouge, and so it's it's almost like he's almost a redshirt freshman at this time. He's been around so long, um, but. Even at that time, Miranda said he was one of the best corners out there. So he's certainly played up to that so far. But they're definitely physical, uh, while uh, a lot of a lot of it is still young and they still have some uh, things to prove and fix in, in, in the open field. Hey, I want to ask you about the running game and running attack for LSU news today. Um, help me with the pronunciation of his first name, first name, because it's Lenard. so close to his older brother's Lenard name. Yes. Yeah, with Fournette. Uh, so, so Leonard Fournette, uh, he came into the season. Um, you know, it, it was. It, I, I think a lot of people last year, whenever LSU signed uh, John Emery and Terry Ty- Davis Price, uh, two guys that were uh, top ten running backs, depending on where you looked in, in recruiting sites, and, and wondered, okay, who's the first that's going to leave? And I, I think they kept this together pretty well. And um, you know, Leonard Fournette came in and. It, it was it was probably going to be something where he was going to have to play very well in order to uh, get significant carries. Uh, but they liked what he could do out of the backfield. They liked how how he could be able to catch passes, and it, it, he had his touches throughout the year. And um, you know, after after the Vanderbilt game, um, you know, he just I, I, it's from my understanding, it's just uh, you know one of those things where um, you know other players are getting more time, um, and it's 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 the time to go. He graduated in May, and uh, you know, it's it's just one of those decisions players have to make at a certain point. And uh, I don't think the depth has been uh, significantly hit here. Uh, Clyde edwards Lair is the starter and the significant um, ball carrier and, and, and pass catcher out of the backfield so far. But carries have been uh, ramping up for John Emery, who was by some sites the number one overall running back. And he's been looking very impressive, looked very, very good against Vanderbilt at times. And mentioned Ty Davis Price already, and then there's another guy, uh, Chris Curry, who's kind of their big bruiser as a sophomore. So they've got four backs who are going to get significant carries throughout this year, and um, you know, Leonard Fournette just decided it was time to go. Uh, Aggie fans over here want to know, and I think this is kind of like that, we hope this is the way it is, but we, you know, it's probably not. With LSU facing Florida next week in what most likely will be a top 10 showdown for you guys, is there any thought of LSU overlooking Utah State and looking into that Florida showdown? I don't think so because of the offense of which Utah State runs and the difficulties LSU's defense has had in, against the passing game so far. I think they recognize that. I think the coaches are using that as uh, you know pointing to that because they've been talking about it all year already. And so this is another one where they really have to bear down and, and go against this because they've seen that they've struggled against this before and need to, um, you know, lock down against it. I think they see a lot of the same things uh, in their own offense that Utah State does. And what's interesting also is that LSU, LSU has turned its own offense against the defense this week. Uh, there's a, 
uh, section of play, uh, a style of play where they pick it up in a game. They call it warp speed. They haven't really practiced it against their own defense, but it's something they've done throughout this week to try and prepare for it. I think I think they understand and uh, recognize what a high up tempo um, offense can do to it uh, to a team. And I, I I don't think that they're they're looking over Utah State this week at all. Is there with that whole warp speed offense? And I listened to. Uh... Coach Ed's press conference, and it was great. I, I love this part as well. But how do they feel like they can replicate that as as well? I mean, because some teams try to replicate it, but it doesn't you know, translate to on the field and facing that team as is. Does LSU or can they replicate that with the talent they got? I think they can. Um, we've seen it through the first four games. Uh, like I mentioned, this is a team that has, uh, has, has picked up its pace on 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 touch uh, on a not just touchdown drives just drives in general by almost a full minute uh, from last year drives are taking less than a minute now uh, on average um, than than last season and I think I think you've seen it throughout this uh, this season and uh, it's it's an offense that can do it and they've replicated it I I don't think that yeah yes Utah State is technically faster uh, I think they've had bigger um, uh, bigger plays that have happened. I've seen a lot of uh, touchdown drives that happen in five plays or less, and there's just a long touchdown there. I think they're very explosive. But as far as pace goes, LSU's got that now, and I think they can really uh, provide a good look at that in practice. If it, if we were talking about this last year, I think it'd be a big difference. Uh, like for example, um, Josh Heupel, the head coach over at UCF, they played them in the Fiesta Bowl. The only way that they could get a good look of what UCS offense was and how fast it could go, they took two different offenses, one after another, two scout team offenses, and they'd have plays back to back. As soon as one team would, one offense would finish, the other one would run to the line and run a play. I, I mean, that's that's just the way that they had to do it last year. They're not having to do that anymore. I think this offense has been trained and, and prepared and, uh, in its own up tempo system, and I think they can replicate that pretty well. What are your thoughts on morning games in LSU? Coach Anderson loves the night games. What is LSU's thought, and what do you, you personally? What are your thoughts on morning games? Morning games? I, I'm okay with it because I can watch football later on. It's great. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, uh, but, Coach doesn't seem like he's a big fan of it. <laughs> uh, no one really in Louisiana is that big on uh, at the morning games at all. This is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, tailgating scene in the country. And uh, people just like being able to show up in the morning and, and partying all day and then going and watching the Tigers. I mean, that's just life here. Uh, so whenever that adjusts, not, it's, 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 it takes an adjustment for people. They're not, they're not great about it. Um, and I, I think Ed Ogeron, well, I know Ed Ogeron's a big traditionalist. I mean, he grew up here in South Louisiana, uh, here in a county called Lafouche, South Lafouche. He's, he's big on Louisiana. And, I mean, he's the face of it now. And he knows what people like. He knows what he likes. He knows what his players like. They, I mean, nighttime in Tiger Stadium, one of the most um, in the remarkable uh, game day envir- environments in the country. Um, they want to have that every every week. That's something that you can build recruits on. You can say, hey, you're going to come and play in this environment, one of the more special places. Uh, it's not the same if players or listeners are like, yeah, you got to wake up at you know five o'clock in the morning and get ready to go. So um, it's it's different. Uh, but you know that Florida game next week is going to be a, a night game, so there's its trade-offs. This is uh, one of the few times, uh, the last time that they had a non-conference game at 11 a.m. here in, in LSU was 2008, and that was against Appalachian State. Wow. The only reason wow. it was in the morning, the only reason it was in the morning, was because a hurricane moved it off pace. They moved it up earlier to get it out of the way. 
Like that just tells you how much they value their night games here in Louisiana. So this is just not something they do regularly. So the, they've had to do some different things. And uh, we'll have a story later this week that these, these strength coaches do a lot uh, to uh, <laughs> get these guys fired up. So it's, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. But I think, uh, I think you've seen this year against Vanderbilt, they were prepared for it and, uh, and took care of business. And I think uh, having that experience, they, they, uh, they can take that over again. I think, I think it's one of those things in the morning it might, might affect things, but you know, one drive, two drives in, it's just like any other college football game. Brooks Cabino, the advocate, joining us here. Hey, two final questions from me, Brooks. First one, we got a good contingent of Aggie fans headed to LSU to see this game. What can you tease them about, about the experience that they're going to have going to LSU, being inside of Death Valley and watching the LSU Tigers play the Aggies? Oh, man. Um, it's So, personally, um, I'll have gone to the, this will be my second season. I have yet to see... Uh, this early a kickoff in Tiger Stadium, but I will say, if you're there and walking around, the, because I mean, right around eleven o'clock, ten o'clock, the on a normal game day anyway, the uh, the game day environment is already set up. The thing that's cool about Baton Rouge is that on campus, people can set up a tailgate anywhere they want, wherever there's green grass, wherever there's like a a, a stitch of concrete, somebody's going to fire up something on the grill. And the other thing is like. The people are friendly, man. Like you walk up in, in, in opposing colors, they're gonna yell at you and say, "Hey, come, come try this boudin, man. Come, 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 stick your uh, ladle in the pot." I mean, it's 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 a friendly place uh, that's uh, really special, and I, I think um, that that that's an objective opinion. You just you just come here, and that's that's what it's like. Like I live in walking distance of Tiger Stadium, and I enjoy that walk from my house to the game. Um, so I, I would really, I would really soak that up uh, and get a chance to walk around those uh, those tailgates and see what it's like because, really, honestly, it's a, it's, it's it's quite remarkable. Hey, final question for you: What are three keys that LSU for LSU to be able to get a win at home, getting ready for Florida? LSU's key is uh, to score more points than Utah State, and that sounds glib, but I honestly, like, if you look at some of these over unders, I'm seeing 72 points, and honestly, I think that's kind of low. Um, you just uh, the LSU's LSU's offense has been clicking and it hasn't stopped since it touched ground against Georgia Southern. If it if it continues to do that, they'll win. If it starts to have some troubles, then you know maybe maybe things don't go so great uh, in a game. And uh, you know if, if if LSU's defense is able to show up and and, it's, and, and they're well trained after going against LSU's offense in the fast pace it was this week, um, that would also be the key. Can they shut down? Um, um, you know Utah State's offense. Can they do that? Um, but uh, the other part, part of that too is uh, you know 11 a.m. Are they are they prepped up for this? Are they are they ready for this kind of game? And I think if they handle all three of those things uh, and, and, and solve solve some of those defensive issues that we're talking about earlier in the show, um, they'll pull away with a win. Brooks, you've been more than generous with your time, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Eric and I both appreciate it from you. Yeah, great uh, stuff. Appreciate ab- that. Absolutely, great stuff. And. Uh, Enjoy Saturday, and we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you shortly. Absolutely, man. Anytime, guys. I hey, appreciate it. That's Brooks Sabina. And he's got the rest of the afternoon to watch football. The rest <laughs> of the night. And some good games, too, by the way. Yes. What a, what a tremendous rundown of the LSU Tigers. That's yeah, really good stuff. A bunch of things stood out to me. I understood that there were some injury issues with, uh, with LSU. But uh, now looking over it, and uh, after talking to Brooks, there's a few more things that kind of stand out. 
just uh, some of the players that may not be there, some players who might be coming back. Uh, again, the the two starting defensive ends, Glenn Logan and Richard Lawrence, are expected to be out. And then also, uh, you know, there's this question about Clavon uh, Chison, who's the outside linebacker. He could be back, but he's questionable with an injury. Uh, one of their top safeties, Todd Harris Jr., he's out. Um, and they're one of their top wide receivers, Terrace Marshall, on offense. I mean, here's a guy, 20 catches, 300 yards, six touchdowns so far on the year. He's been a big target um, for Joe Burrow. Uh, and we went the whole segment. We didn't say anything about Joe Burrow. Yeah. We're so concerned about everything else going on. We know he's super dangerous as, and very effective as a quarterback. But it, I thought that was helpful to get an idea of everything else that's happening around Joe Burrow uh, to help us understand what might happen on Saturday. Terrence Marshall being out is huge because, like, watching film on him and, and for the – the yeah, LSU well, Tiger fans base, they've been waiting for that kid to come alive, and he finally sparks, and he's a third leading receiver for the LSU Tigers, and they no longer have him. That's six a, foot four, 200 pounds. Major. Returning major. player was there last year. Like I said, uh, 20 catches over 300 yards. But Justin Jefferson, 21 catches, 392 yards, five touchdowns. Jamar Chase, uh, 20 receptions, 397 yards, five touchdowns. Those are the big three. After that, there's a huge drop-off. Mm-hmm. So those are definitely the big targets for Joe Burrow. One of them is now out of the mix. So uh, there's who that third wide receiver might be that gets some of that attention or does it get spread around equally? Um, that, that could be interesting. But there are some things that actually kind of give me a little bit of hope in this game based on that conversation. We can talk about that coming up on the other side. Yeah, we will talk about it. Tajik Salveson and Tarek Franson here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, it's another edition of the In the Know on the LSU Tigers. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Franton, RJ Salveson, Hump Day. We're in the middle of the week. You made it. Congratulations. Only a couple days, and you're there. Saturday, 10 a.m., LSU, Utah State, in Baton Rouge. As LSU coming off a bye week, and then Florida the following week. Eric, what do you think about that schedule setup? You got a bye week, and you get Utah State, which is a, I mean, tough G5 team. And then you got to prep for, like I said, it's probably going to be a top 10 showdown next Saturday night. Florida's currently ranked number 10 going into this weekend. And college game day, I'm sure, will be there. So, I, I mean, that's that's an interesting. And as we asked him, you know, uh, having Brooks Kubina, who, by the way, thank you so much to Brooks, who had given a great, great uh, breakdown and rundown of the LSU Tigers. They're not overlooking Utah State. They realize how good Utah State of a football team is. They, they see the Wake Forest film and they say, look, they're – they gave away that game. Well, so a couple of things that really stood out to me from our conversation with Brooks is that their secondary has a hard time tackling. Their secondary uh, can be susceptible to giving up plays. Uh, there are injuries and problems on their front seven. Um, and so I think that Utah State will be able to move the ball against these guys. They give up. They're passing uh, defense. They give up for over 400 yards a game to winning FBS programs. So if you're a, if you have a decent offense, 
at this division, you can pass the ball on LSU. Uh, they give up 121 rushing yards a game. So they're a little more stout in the running defense than they are in the passing defense. But when when that secondary of theirs is as shaky as it's been, teams are going to test them and try to test them. Um, so, the, but the thing that's, that does stand out to me with their defense, 11 different, or excuse me, 12 different players have, have either half a sack or some kind of a sack. So there's 11 sacks on the season so far for LSU by 12 different players. So a lot of the different guys come at you and, and try to, uh, and I thought it was interesting. They tried to surround the quarterback and provide, make him feel pressure, but they don't always like go after the quarterback to bring him down to sack him and, and try to do tackles for loss. But in that collapsing the pocket and surrounding him and making him uncomfortable, they try to force the quarterback into making a mistake. Yeah. Uh, we, we talk, you know, I feel like these defensive backs gamble a lot. They get greedy. I mean, you watch that Texas game. They went after about every throw trying to pick it. I mean, hitch routes, corner routes, uh, whatever. They would go. I mean, even on an out route when they're three yards back, they come just crashing in trying to get that pick. And for they only have more two often picks than not, the get, and that's the thing. It's more often than not, Eric. They're getting beat on that. They really are. And for how quick Jordan Love can get rid of the ball, how strong his arm is, that's something that you don't want to do, Jordan. You don't want to gamble on him and expect to be able to make a play. You almost have to just kind of take what he's going to give you and go from there. Yeah, that's true. So I, I think that when I look at this, do I think that this is a recipe for Utah State to win? I still don't know that. This LSU team's really, really good offensively, and they do have talent on their defensive side. I, but I do not buy LSU by 27 points. No way. Uh, Utah State's going to be keep this game closer than that. Uh, they could give LSU a run for the money. The real question is USU's secondary and that very effective passing attack. I mean, they're throwing for 471 yards a game. So they're slinging the ball around like nuts. So can Utah State get some pressure on on uh, Burrow? Can that secondary make some adjustments and take away some of those opportunities for, for what they want to do offensively to disrupt them and uh, make it tough for them? That, that is going to be a great chess match of the game. Gary Anderson, Justin Enna, their defensive scheme against what LSU's been able to do offensively this year. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And uh, in regards of their offensive line, not, I mean, you're looking at it right now. I've, I, I, I see 6'4", 3'43". I see 6'4", 3'15", 6'3", 3'32", 6'7", 3'22". And their tight end, 6'3", 249". These kids got size. And, and there's a difference, Eric, between 6'3", and 3'30". Mountain West and 63343 SEC. There is a difference there. And and just the size and the fact that they I mean they can push you around when they want to. Um but I feel like that's going to create a lot of opportunities for David Woodward. Second level and third level are going to have to have their heads on a swivel all day long because you just don't know, you know, if they're going to be able to make a crease in the back and get through and get loose or if they're going to their play action game is about as strong as anything just because they're able to have a successful run game, sell that hard action on on the play action 
and and then they can. I mean, like I said, we got they got great receivers who can beat you. I mean, it's not particularly a really strong run game. They average barely a hundred yards a game. But when it's they're how playing they do FBS it. teams. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It's how they do it, and they can power it. Um, but the, it'll be interesting this this change a little bit with Fournette leaving. Uh, maybe gives more touches to these young freshmen who come in very highly recruited, very highly touted, uh, and they all have kind of different sizes and, and abilities. Um, but um, yeah, that'll be that will be interesting to see how that changes, if at all. But their strength offensively has not been in their running game at all. It's really, it's in their passing attack. Yeah, and again, Joe's got a good arm. He, he. I mean, I watching that Vanderbilt game, there's a couple of throws where he made one on a fade and then one just on a, uh, on a straight fly route, and it was money. I mean, it was right in the bread basket, uh, easy, you know, for an easy catch. And another thing about Joe is that he stands in the pocket and is willing to take a hit. He'll he'll stand there and make a throw. There's no dodging out of the way with him. He'll take the hit. And he's a tough, tough kid. And they've only given up seven sacks so far this year. So he'll, it's pretty decent. Vanderbilt not lit, the best protection, but yeah. it's decent. Vanderbilt lit him up on a couple of blitzes. And then speaking of blitzes on the defensive side, they are really good about sending blindside blitzes, about just coming from a side that you don't see it coming from. Uh, and it's usually more often than not. I've seen a lot of delayed blitzes from LSU. So well, it, and let's let's consider too who LSU has played. Yeah, there was the great showdown between them and Texas, but other than that, I mean, Vanderbilt's okay. Not yeah, they're not really known as setting the world on fire. Northwestern State, no. Georgia Southern Eagles, no. <laughs> So Utah State's definitely going to be at a different level here than what they've faced outside of the one game against Texas. Unless you're Arkansas. <laughs> it's a tough game no matter what when you're Arkansas. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to go to a break. Coming back, it's the moment you always love on a Wednesday. It's movie quiz. It's Eric's turn. What does he I don't have? think you're going to get this one. I don't think you will. Eric, I've... Dude, I don't miss often. In fact, I haven't missed yet. Come to think about uh, it. Uh, well, I'll do it, and then if you can't get it, I'll give you a hint. I I'll wait. You, you know what? I'll put a Dr. Pepper on a Diet Dr. Pepper on it that I will get it on the first try. Wow! And if you what win, if I don't think, drink Dr. Diet Dr. Pepper. Well, I'm going to buy you lunch. Okay. Deal. Uh, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Full court press. Eric France and Audrey Salson. Don't you dare touch that dial. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Audrey Salveson, 444 your time here on a Wednesday afternoon. It's an in the know of the LSU Tigers. Boy, they look sharp. Not a lot of flaws in that team. I'm excited to hear uh, next hour. I have to ditch out, but you're going to hear you got stuff from Ed Orgeron. Oh, yeah. You got stuff from Gary Anderson. It is a, yeah, a lot of really good stuff. Continue got, to break it down. Yeah, we're, we're not done yet. But we got to take a break from In the Know, and we got to take a break from the LSU Tigers. It's halftime, and your entertainment comes courtesy of <laughs> Eric Fratton. Uh, it's the movie quiz. All right, so if you get this correct on the first try, You'll meet a I diet get you Dr. a diet Pe- Dr. Pepper, yes. and if... If you don't, you owe me lunch. 
Yeah, correct. That's how confident I am that I'm going to get it. You must I've have been, been looking s- over my shoulder. No, you, you cheated just- last week, by the way. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I did not cheat. A certain individual came in and I, I asked him what movie this would be, and he oh, said it out loud, and you that heard it. That is one of the most iconic you scenes in Caddyshack, period. <laughs> I could have got that with being deaf. I don't know how that would work. Anyway, here's my here's our full court press classic sports movie quiz. You ready? Let's do it. All right. I'm just trying to do it right, coach. I didn't want to let you down. Mm-hmm. Look, you realize I'm just doing my job, right? Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you a story. There's these two brothers walking along, and they come find this big pile of beep. First brother dives right in, starts digging with everything he's got. Second brother, well, he don't want anything to do with it. You with me? Yes, sir. Two brothers, one pile of manure, and one brother doesn't want to dig. Right. Manure. Second brother says to the first one, what are you doing? Why are you digging so hard? The first brother says, with a pile of manure like this, I figure there's got to be a horse under there somewhere. Now, I don't know if you belong here or not. And I don't know until you lose some weight. And I mean a lot of weight, a whole lot of weight. Who knows? Maybe underneath all this manure there, there just might be a horse in there somewhere. I'll do whatever you say, coach. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. Good. So after that gut's gone, we got to put a lot of weight back on you. But this time, it's going to be muscle. A whole lot of muscle means a whole lot of work. You up for it? Yes, sir. All the way. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Man. Lunch uh, or Diet Dr. Pepper on the line here, AJ. Can I use a lifeline? No, no lifelines. <laughs> Can you guess this classic sports movie? Uh, this is the scene that really turns things around for this person. Individual. Mm-hmm. And I only get one guess, don't I? One guess. Oh, man. Can I have you repeat that movie quiz again? <laughs> That's a lifeline. Can I get a definition? Repeat the question. A definition of what Use it in a was? sentence. I feel like you're cheating because you didn't say the word bleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the FCC might have something to say. <laughs> All we've said worse on this show. <laughs> um, uh, dang, man. Uh, it's a football movie. Is it Remember the Titans? Hmm. No, it's not. Remember the Titans. Okay, so now I owe you lunch. So here, I was, I'm just gonna. Get okay, so here's a, here's a, here's my clue. We okay. were just talking about LSU. It is about a college football team, not far from there in that part of the country. Football that team helps. based on a true story. The Blind Side. Hmm. Another good choice, but no. Okay, last guess. Give me ooh, college team close to there. Division one college team. Division one, yes, very recognizable. Really. Uh. Here is my last clue. Okay. 
a college football wait, 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 award wait. is now named after this individual who the movie is based upon. Uh, let's play the audio. I'm just trying to do it right, Coach. I don't, I don't want to let you down. <laughs> Look, um, you realize I'm just doing my job, right? Yes, sir. Look, I'm going I'm to tell you a story. There's these two brothers. They're walking along, and they come upon this big pile of <laughs> And the first brother, he dives right into it. He starts digging with everything he's got. And the second brother, well, he don't want nothing to do with it. You with me? Yes, sir. Two brothers, one pile of uh, manure, and one brother doesn't want to dig. Right. I don't think I've ever seen this movie. And the oh, uh, you're missing second out. brother says to the first one, what are you doing? Why are you digging so hard? And the first brother says, with a pile of manure like this, I figure there's got to be a horse under here somewhere. <laughs> now, I don't know if you belong here or not. And I won't know until you lose some weight. And I mean a whole lot of weight. Who knows? Maybe underneath all this manure, there just might be a horse in there somewhere. I'll do whatever you say, Coach. You tell me to do it, and I'll do it. Good. So after that gut's gone, we got to put all that weight back on, except this time it's going to be muscle. A whole lot of muscle, that means a whole lot of work. You up for it? Yes, sir, all the way. The the music, the score of the music sounds really familiar. I don't know if I've ever seen this movie. All right, this this is a great movie. It didn't come out with a lot of attention that, that set the world on fire necessarily in the box office, but it's a really good movie. It's called Greater. came yeah. out in 2016. Never heard of it. It's the story of Brandon Bullsworth. He was a walk-on at Arkansas, and it's his story about how he was this really big, kid and how he just continued to work and defy the odds. He changed his body and he became just this monumental figure for Arkansas that season. Eventually went on and was drafted into the NFL and he was super excited. Just this great personality. Then he died in a car accident. Don't mean to give it away because it's based on a true story, but he died in a car accident. And so there is now a Bullsworth trophy that gets handed out every year to the to somebody who was a walk-on in college football and is based on Brandon Bullsworth's story. Uh, it, it's a really, really good movie. Highly recommend it to anybody. That's good. All right, well, I owe you lunch, man. You, you got me there. So I turned around when we were in our prep room, and I swear I saw you looking at Moneyball. I was looking at Moneyball for a little bit, but I decided, no, nah, I looked at this a week ago or so, or a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I still want to do something college football related. Even That's though good. we're in baseball postseason, I, I thought and about with the trying to A's do it. playing tonight. Oh, that would have been relevant. Come yes. on, you. Hey. That's why you were so sure. You snuck a peek. <laughs> You dog. Hey, and that's what cheat, you get. Hey, cheat if you ain't been caught. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We got to take a break. I'll tell you, and Eric Franson. We're about to finish up the first hour, and then Eric is out. I'll be here. Plenty more to get to on the LSU Tigers. We'll replay our full interview as well with uh, Brooks Cubina of The Advocate in the next hour, so don't miss out. Audrey Salas and Eric Franson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
4.54 time. We're closing up the first hour. I'm Audrey Salston. Eric Francis out the door. He is on to other things. Uh, I'll be taking over in the second hour. So grateful to have you wherever and however you are joining us tonight. Hey, for, don't forget, if you did miss the first hour with Brooks Cubino, we'll be playing that interview in the second hour, but you can also find us on our podcast platform, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Just type in the full court press, type in Eric's name, my name, and you can look us up from there. You can find in all our episodes dating back for a while now, I believe. Uh, in the next hour, we're going we're gonna to get into more LSU uh, and Utah State stuff, but we're also going to get into some baseball. The NLDS is tomorrow. They start their stuff tomorrow, and I'm talking Cardinals at Atlanta. And, of course, Washington Nationals, after that incredible game last night, which we'll recap, will then recap their second uh, their second matchup will be against against the Dodgers, the all-very-powerful Dodger team. Um, how much can the Cinderella magic of the, of the Washington Nationals, who are 12 games under five hundred in May, make the playoffs and then beat Milwaukee after being down 3-0, 3-1 in the bottom of the eighth? How much can the magic live on for them? Uh, and don't forget, again, we'll get you more audio from uh, Coach Ed Oregon, or not Oregon. Is it Oregon? No, it's Oregonian or something like that. So the reason why I keep calling him Coach Ed is because I can't pronounce his last name. So I just say Coach Ed. So Coach Ed in the next hour, Gary Anderson in the next hour, Caleb Rep in the next hour, Cam Haney in the next hour. We'll get you all the audio about the uh, LSU Tigers again. You know, watching the film on these guys, not a lot of flaws. At all with this team. Uh, very, very, very few flaws uh, with, you know, in, in, on their offense, especially uh, their defense. Again, they do get greedy in the defensive backfield, and it's cost them a lot of points. It cost them a ton against Texas. And then in special teams, they are, they're very good too. They're, they're very reliable in the special teams department. Morning game for the LSU Tigers, and as uh, Brooks uh, alluded to, First time a non-conference opponent in a morning has taken place since 2008, and that was versus Appalachian State. And the only reason why that even happened is because of a hurricane that was uh, that uh, kicked the game out from being a night game to being a morning game. So no hurricane here, thank goodness. But uh, again, a morning game for the Utah State Aggies for the LSU Tigers coming up. Second hour, full court press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The National Wildcard game was a good reminder of just how great playoff baseball can be. You can look at the lineups and the pitching staffs and try to make predictions, but sometimes a game comes down to a funny bounce or untimely error. And last night, the Nationals beat the Brewers when Juan Soto's single snuck under the glove of the Brewers' Trent Grisham in the eighth inning. Washington escaped with a 4-3 win and moves on to face the Dodgers. If you did want to look at how everybody matches up on paper, there are some clear favorites. The Astros look like the team to beat in the American League, and the Yankees not far behind. And once again, the Dodgers are the favorites in the National League. But last night was a subtle reminder, strange things happen in baseball games in October. You never know how players will respond to pressure. That's what makes the playoffs so great, and why they should provide plenty of drama and excitement over the next couple of weeks. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.